Tonight, the hope perfected. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I specifically want to show you this hope perfected in a believer. In verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 15 we read, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. That is the King James translation. I would like to give you the use, the translation according to biblical usage. And this is how it's translated. If in this life only we are, we are, A-R-E, having our hope in Christ, we are more to be pitied than all men. Because if in this life only we have our hope in Christ, then we are lying because then Jesus Christ was not resurrected. Then Jesus Christ did not ascend. Then all that there is to life is the last breath we take here upon earth. And we are more to be pitied than all men because we have not only been lied to by others, but we are lying to people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I want to show you from God's word the record of a man who believed in the hope who believed that Jesus Christ was resurrected and that we do not need to be pitied in our day and our time because the truth of the resurrection of Christ, the ascension, being seated at the right hand of God and coming back is a reality. In chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, it says in verse 23, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often, meaning that his life was threatened, Verse 24, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one, which means thirty-nine stripes. Here was a man born again of God's Spirit, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, 
a man who spoke in tongues like you and I do, a man who believed in the integrity and accuracy of God's word, who had the hope of the return of Christ, and yet he says of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes save one. That means that on five different occasions, people, they whipped him, they beat him with something like you and I would think of as a black snake or a whip that had metal thongs at the end of it or bones. And five times they whipped him 39 lashes each time. What do you think kept that man going? You see, these are words to me. Because the persecution that you and I have suffered is, does not equal that at all. No one has ever pinned me up against a wall or hung me by the wrists on a pole, and then whipped me 39 lashes with a whip. They did this to Paul on five different occasions. People, you talk about a man standing, you got to have something to stand for and something you really believe in, in order to go through something like that. I see the greatness of the hope perfected in the life of this tremendous witness of God, the Apostle Paul. Listen to what else he said. Verse 25, thrice, meaning three times, was I beaten with rods. He just not only was whipped five times in verse 24, but three times they took something like a rod that wouldn't bend, something like, you know, a, a cane, that men walk with at times, something like that. And three times, people, they whipped him. And yet, he never copped out. He never denied. He never complained about God forsaking him or something happening that it wasn't worth enduring or living for. Once he said, I was stoned. In verse 25, if you'll keep your finger here and flip over to Acts chapter 14, I'll read the records to you. Chapter 14 of Acts Verse 19, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium 
who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city thinking or supposing he was dead or had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up, came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. People, they thought they'd killed him. They took him outside of the city. What do you think those disciples did that stood around? <laughs> you bet your life, boy. They spoke in tongues. They prayed. They believed God. They went out there believing. And God raised him up. And the next day, instead of going to Europe on a holiday or to Florida or California, you know where he went? Right back moving God's word. Boy, that's the man of God. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was, sto was I stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. One whole night and a day he was floating in the Mediterranean. I've been in the deep. That's the Mediterranean. Now people, who is it that stones people? People. Who is it that whips people? Right. Yet behind those people has to be a power. You know why? Because the natural man is just a wonderful Joe. He's a fine guy. Wonderful. Because he wants to live, he lets live. But when people start doing this, of which I'm reading you the record, there's got to be more than just a natural man involved. Ephesians 6, chapter 6 and verse 12 tells you what's behind a lot of this. All of it, as a matter of fact. We wrestle not against what? But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers or the holders of this darkness in the world against spiritual wickedness. Text reads against wicked spirits from on high. You see, this is not a wrestling anymore against flesh and blood. It looks like Herman and John and Mary and Joe but it's only Herman in name, only Herman in body. What is in that body driving that man or that woman to do that which is contrary so completely to life and living? It is wicked devil spirits that get into men's minds, control them, drive them to do things that they ordinarily would not do if those spirits were not present. That's why he suffered shipwreck. That's why he was in 
a night and day in the deep. Verse 26. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, verse 27, and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Ladies and gentlemen, you talk about the hope perfected. Look at the greatness of this record, how that man stood, how he just having done all stood, no matter what the adversary did. No matter what he had to go through, he did not complain. He just stood and continued holding forth the same truth that got him into trouble. Now I want to show you how God stood with that man when that man stood. It's sort of like a paradox, but people, it's the truth of the greatness of God's word as best I understand it. In chapter 12, the latter part of verse 2, it says, such an one caught up to the third heaven. It doesn't, it's not really understood like you must understand it. He wasn't caught up to the third heaven like this class. Here's heaven one, here's heaven two, there's heaven three. No. It's not caught up. The text reads caught away. In the Bible there is heaven one, heaven and earth two, heaven and earth three. The one is the original in Genesis. The second is the one you and I are living in. And the third, heaven and earth, is the one which is recorded in the book of Revelation after Jesus Christ comes back and we have a new heaven and a new earth wherein there dwelleth righteousness. He, he was caught away, caught away. God gave him revelation. That didn't mean he did some astral traveling. You don't have to do it. God comes to you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's already there. You don't have to leave. He's right present. Yeah. I want to make a statement here that I think is just fantastically true, and I'm going to show it, continue to show it to you from the Word. If you have the hope of God, if you have the hope that God reveals in his word, if you have the hope of the Christ in you 
and of his return. And if you really believe that, there is one thing God will do, among many others, but God will reveal things to bless you and to keep the hope hot in you. Let me do it again. Sort of made you numb, huh? No, it's all right. Boy, it's a great truth. If you have the hope, if you have the hope, God reveals things to you to keep you hot on the hope. What do you think kept that man going? Jews five times, 40 stripes less one, three times beaten with a rod, stone, shipwreck, all that. What keeps a man going? The hope. The hope. And that's why God caught him away. He was caught away. God gave him revelation. He gave him revelation of the future. The future which is recorded in the book of Revelation. Look at verse 4. How that he was caught up into paradise. Paradise we have in Genesis, remember? Chapters 1 and 2, when everything was just perfect, translated garden, so forth, he caught him away into paradise, not back to Genesis, but paradise that's recorded in the book of Revelation. After Jesus Christ comes back with the saints, the body of believers upon earth, and we have established a new heaven and a new earth. He caught him away to that period of time, class, and he showed him that. Boy, oh boy. Caught up to paradise where he heard verse unspeakable words. It doesn't mean that they were words he did not understand words that he did not have in his vocabulary. It means they were words God showed him, but God says, don't tell anybody. Don't say it. Hide it in your own heart, which it's not lawful. The word lawful is the word permitted. It's not permitted for me, a man, it's not permitted for me to utter or to speak. Here was a man who believed in the hope of Christ's return. He was going through a lot of persecution, tribulation, but it wasn't the great tribulation. And because he was faithful and steady, Standing, God caught him away, gave him a vision, showed him the new heaven and the new earth. 
which kept him going, kept him excited. He was never allowed to write it. He could have written it. God gave it to him. But he wasn't allowed to write it. It took John, to whom God said, you write it. And that's how we got the book of Revelation in writing. In Romans chapter 12, listen to this. Verse 12. Latter part of verse 11, serving the Lord, rejoicing in what? Hope. Look at that. Rejoicing in hope. Same man of God speaking. Rejoicing in hope. Patient. Patient in tribulation. Which simply means tribulation came, he just stood. But he continued instant at all times in prayer. Not just with his senses mind, but in the spirit The reason I know it, because Corinthians says, I pray in tongues more than y'all. This is that man. Look at Philippians. Rejoicing in what? Hope. That's the hope perfected. When you get to the place that you joy and rejoice in the hope. In Philippians. Chapter 3, verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I would have more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of what? As touching the law of Pharisee. And by the way, verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Senses knowledge-wise, he could have gotten himself beautifully elected by all the unbelievers. They'd have put him right up at the top. He could have perhaps run the whole Sanhedrin and everything else because he had all the earmarks and all the qualifications. But what things sense knowledge-wise were gained to me, those I counted loss for one thing, Christ. Yea, doubtless, look at verse 8, people. Doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's the hope perfected in a man. When you get to the place that 
you count everything lost for Christ and for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord which culminates right at the top level in the hope of his return. For whom I have suffered all things and do count them as done that I might win Christ. Isn't that fantastic? He counted all of those things like dung for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus to win Christ, to have Christ, to be a winner with Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, we're guaranteed to be winners with Christ because we're born again of God's Spirit. And not only that, listen to verse 9. And be found in Him, in Christ, not having my own what? Which is of the law but that which is through dia by means of the faith, the pistis of Christ, the righteousness which is of God. By believing, by pistis, if you like it, the words by pistis that are in the Greek are not in the Estrangilo Aramaic. But that which is true by the faith of Jesus Christ the righteousness which is of God. Verse 10. That I may know him. That I may know him. To know is to experience it. It isn't just a head trip, people. It is to know that you know that you know him. That it is he who is your sufficiency. That it is he who protects you and keeps you and guides you. It is he who makes intercession for you. It is he who keeps you walking with all the greatness that you desire to walk with. That I may know him, to know him. Not just a head trip, but an experiential one in all the fiber and depth of my soul, that I may know Him and the power, the power, the what? Power of His resurrection. And, listen, the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. I have shown you from the Word of God previously in a class called Power for Abundantly many other times too that when Christ was circumcised we were circumcised with him. When Jesus Christ died we died with him. When he was baptized we were baptized with him. When God raised him from the dead we were raised with him. When he ascended up into heaven, we ascended up with him. 
and we're seated at the right hand of God in Christ with him. Look again, get the greatness of this in your soul tonight, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, that by any means, if by any means, I might attain. It, the word attain is arrive unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, there is a word missing there that is there in the original text, and it reads that I might arrive unto the out-resurrection from among the dead. That's the text. The out-resurrection, the out-arising, it's a participle form, the out-arising from among, out from among the dead. Verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either was, were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend the word apprehend is katalambano. Manifest that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, verse 13, I count not myself to have apprehended, fully lambanoed, but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind. Five times, three times, stoke, forgetting the things that are what? And reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high the text reads upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Boy, forgetting those things that are behind, I press toward the mark. What mark? The prize, the prize, the prize. For the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, verse 15, as many as be perfect, and these perfects are the perfection of Christ within, be thus minded, have the same head on it, same mind on it, and if in any th other thing, be we, other things come up, we be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, achieved, let us walk by the same road, let us mind the same thing. This is the hope perfected in a man walking day by day 
toward that upward calling, pressing on, forgetting the things that are past. And he's moving on because out there he sees a prize, people. You see, class, salvation is by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. But once you're in the family, the household, and you walk faithfully, there's a reward. There's a prize to the winners. That's all involved in the hope. Look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Right at the close of his earthly walk upon earth here, he said, For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. The reason he knew it, God had shown it to him because of the believing that was going on. King James reads, I've fought a good fight. The original word in the Greek text is agon, A-G-O-N, which reads, I have fought a good contest. The word agon is also translated race, R-A-C-B. One of the translators puts it, I have run a terrific race. I have finished my course. I have kept my believing. The word thee is my in Aramaic. I've fought a good contest. I have finished the course. I have kept thee believing. All the way through, he kept the believing because he saw the hope, the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of what? Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall, absolute tense, give me in that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also who love his appearing. I would like to read you something from page 39 of the book are the dead alive now. And this starts with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. In reference to the parousa for the church says, For we must all appear before what? The judgment seat of whom? Christ. This judgment seat is the bema, B-E-M-A. The Bema, the place, the place from which prizes and rewards are given for the things done. 
Salvation is by grace. Rewards are given to men and women who merit them. This judgment seat is the place where the rewards are handed out. Listen to this paragraph. The church of the body appears before the Bema of Christ to receive the crown of righteousness, rewards for deeds done for the faithfulness of our stewardship for him. We appear before the Bema of Christ not to receive God's sentences of wrath, of condemnation, but to have praise of God. None of God's born-again children in Christ will ever be judged as to their standing or anything else, for they have already been judged in the person of their substitute and mediator, Jesus. If you have any doubt about it, I'm going to just quickly give you the scripture reference as you look it up. John 5, 24, John 3, 17 and 18, 1 Corinthians 11, 32, Romans 8, 33, 34, 1 Thessalonians 1, 10, and chapter 5, verse 9. In the Way magazine, way back in November, December issue, 1976, is a fantastic article with great truth in it. It's called The Believer's Reward by Reverend Walter J. Cummins. It's just a beautiful piece of work. And in this article, Walter sets forth the five crowns available at the Bema. The five judgments. The judgments are the rewards. And it's the throne, the Bema throne, where the rewards are handed out. It's not a throne where judgments are made for condemnation. You talk about the hope about the hope being perfected, turn someday to that article again and read it. Then go to the Word directly in your own self and work it out, see it. It's something that just blows my mind. I have never seen a king with more than one crown on his head. I've never seen the Queen of England with more than one crown on her head. Every born-again believer, if he will walk according to the Word, moving on, being called upward, having the hope and really walking it, you're going to have five crowns. I didn't do it for you and I didn't write the word. 
Christ Jesus, God in Christ Jesus did it for you. Boy, people, how little we've appreciated what God's done. I understand the five crowns. The first crown that is given is called the crown of life. The record is in James 1.12. And this crown of life is for those who rightly divide God's word to stand approved before him. As I see these five crowns in the word, they just make one big fantastic crown. Because at the base of the crown, the first crown, is this crown of life. The second crown is called the crown of rejoicing. The record of it is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. And this crown is for those who win others to the Lord Jesus Christ after they have rightly divided the word. That's the second one. Number two. The third crown is called in the Bible the crown incorruptible. The record of it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. And it is for those who exercise self-control in all disciplined training, who are great athletes of the Spirit. That's the third. The fourth crown rewarded to the believer is called in the Bible the crown of glory. And it is recorded in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. And it is for those leaders, leaders, and I believe it's right down at the level of twig coordinators. Those leaders and elders in the body of Christ who are examples to the believers. The flock. That's the fourth. The fifth and final crown of righteousness given to us in that day is called the crown of righteousness. It is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. And ladies and gentlemen, that crown is for those who love Christ's appearing. That's the article. What a crown. What a reward. What a prize. Not only one crown like a king or a queen would wear, but God in his mercy and grace has made available for every born-again believer five of them, one right on top of the other for something. Those are the five crowns. 
Now let me read you something else on page 39. In the day of the Lord's judgment, when all people have been resurrected, remember in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That's everyone except the church of the body. Because the church of the body isn't all going to be dead. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made what? As in Adam all die, if Christ came right now, would we be dead? That's why it can't apply to you. Listen. When all people have been resurrected except the church of the body, everyone will appear before the judgment seat. And this is called the bench. The word judgment seat, the word judgment seat, is the word thronos, T-H-R-O-N-O-S. Entirely different word than the word for Bema, than the word for the place, Bema. This is the bench. It's the thronus, the bench from which God's judgment sentences will be pronounced. Second Thessalonians 1, 7 to 10 tells some of the events which will occur when Christ comes with his church. And to you who are or were troubled, rest, are at rest with us when? At the time the Lord Jesus shall be revealed, apocalypse is from heaven, with his mighty angels, angelone, dunamis, meaning messengers of his power, both angels and church saints, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when, after he shall have come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. These words could not be plainer, people. They definitely do not deal with the parousa of Christ for his church, but with the appearance of Christ later at the revelation appearing, the apocalypsis of himself on or upon the earth. If we read the scriptures relating to the coming of Christ for his church and interpret them of the coming of Christ with his church to the earth, we remain ignorant of the blessed hope. Titus 2.13 in the King James Version needs a retranslation. It was translated, it's one of those deliberately deceptive and deceitful verses translated by the Trinitarians put in the Word of God. I give you the accuracy of it. 
I'll give you a first King James, read it to you. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And they loved that because in their mind it said, and they wanted it to say, the great God, Jesus Christ. That's not what the text says. Here is what it says. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of the great God, comma, even our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the text. Who is the glory of the great God? Jesus Christ. That's why Titus 2 is absolutely fantastic. Once again, listen. Looking, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of the great God, even our Savior, Jesus Christ. When Christ returns with his gathered saints, there will be two resurrections, one for the just and another for the unjust. John 5, 28 and 29, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth and they that have done good under the resurrection of life, they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Acts 24, 15. Have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and what? Unjust. Luke 14, 14. For thou shalt be recompensed, at the resurrection of the just. Hebrews eleven thirty five, that they might obtain a better, which is the first resurrection of the just, a better resurrection. There are two resurrections. The better of the two is the first one. It's the resurrection of what? The just. The second is the resurrection of the unjust. Listen to this. By the time of Revelation 20, verse 13, all the dead shall have been resurrected. Looking at 1 Corinthians 15, the condensed verses about the return of Christ with its various phases are more clearly understood. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, which I gave you a little while ago, as in Adam all what? So shall, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. When shall all be made alive? Those who have died during the administration of the church of the body shall be made alive when Christ comes for, F-O-R, his church. 
and those who are alive at the time of its coming for his church will be what? Changed. The mortal must put on what? The corruptible must put on what? Taught you that previously. All others, all others, all others will be made alive when Christ comes with his church. Between the first resurrection and the second one is a time lapse. Some Bible scholars say a thousand years. But the one thing I know is that the first and the second resurrections will make all alive and all will be judged. Not at the Bema, but at the Thronus. Verse 24. 1 Corinthians 15. Then time. 1524. 1 Corinthians. Then cometh the what? End. The word end is talos. The final most point. When he, Jesus Christ, shall have delivered up the kingdom of God. Even the Father, when he, Jesus Christ, plus those who come with him, shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. When this time comes, all shall have been judged Sentences passed, rewards given. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth where there is no more sin, sickness, or death. At that time, he shall be king of kings and lord of lords. And verse 25. For he, for he must reign till or until he hath put all enemies under his what? And verse 46, the last friend, the last what? The last enemy, the last enemy, the enemy, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Don't tell me the death is a friend. The only people that could say that have to be spirit-driven by the wrong spirits. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. When death is destroyed, we can ask, O oh, death, where is thy sting? When the prophecy of Revelation 20:14 comes to pass, which says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, then death will have been destroyed and thus have no sting. Verse 27. Why? For he hath put all things under his feet. Verse 28. And when all things shall be subdued unto him. Remember, I'm in 1 Corinthians 15, 28. 
And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then, 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 then shall the Son also be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Ladies and gentlemen, how can Jesus Christ be God in that word to When all things shall be subdued unto him, Christ, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him, God, who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. For we have only one God and one Son, Jesus Christ. By the time that God is all in all, the church will have been gathered and rewarded at the Bema. The just and the unjust shall have been resurrected and judged for rewards and punishments at the Thronus. And finally, death destroyed. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the hope perfected.